Welcome to Northern Goal, the football podcast from Evening Express and Press and Journal. I'm Ryan Crail, and today I'm joined by Paul Third and Andy Skinner as we look ahead to the start of the league campaigns for, for most of our teams, from Aberdeen and Ross County in the Premiership all the way down to Elgin City in League Two and all the teams in between. But first, Paul, Andy, how are you guys? Feeling refreshed, ready to go. Hi, very well, thanks. Looking forward to the, the, the real big kickoff, I suppose. The mood is certainly different this week following. We obviously had our BK Hacking preview episode last week ahead of the first leg of the Europa Conference League second qualifying round tie with Aberdeen. We we left that, I think, feeling pretty concerned um, that the Swedes were going to be strong. They were on form. They were winning games in their league. The Dons were perhaps coming in looking slightly undercooked with just two preseason friendlies. But 30, nothing to worry about, was there? It doesn't look likely. I mean, judging by the response that we've seen from the, the media in Sweden as well, they certainly didn't see that result coming. But Aberdeen just blew that hacking away as if they were cannon fodder. It was a straightforward uh, European ties you could hope for. Stephen Glass must be thrilled. Yeah, I mean, it's just the perfect start, really, um, for what was a new-look team, really coming together competitively for the first time. I, I think that would have been well beyond any um, Aberdeen fan, even the most optimistic of, of fans' kind of realistic expectations going into that game. Um, and it gives them a huge cushion now going into to Thursday's game, which, you know, if they can get the job done uh, relatively comfortably over in Sweden, then, you know, sets them up quite nicely for the, the start of league action now. At the risk of jumping into some tactical analysis that I'm not qualified to give, um, it was clear that over the summer, Stephen Glass, with the new signings on board, has been working on how the Dons attack. It was like some of this stuff was just spellbinding, was it? The way they were they were moving the ball forward. I think at the heart of it in the first half certainly was J. Emmanuel Thomas. We might get onto that. I think we probably will. But yeah, just if they're going to play like that all season, they'll be a joy to watch, won't they? They will. But I always I'm I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm thinking about what I watched and also what I've seen in previous seasons, and we've watched some terrific European performances from a Derek McInnes led Aberdeen in, in previous campaigns and thought, oh, this season's going to be brilliant. I remember two years ago when they opened up with the, the league game against Hearts and it was a thrilling come from behind 3-2 win and you thought, oh, Aberdeen are really going to be at it this year and it didn't quite pan out that way. So as optimistic and as impressive as I everything was last week, let's just Keep the tin lid here and, and <laughs> let's get a couple of games going. Aye. Keep a heed, as we say, yes. I suppose it's important to stress that, you know, Hacken were a, a good side that, that played, um, you know, most threateningly on the counter-attack. And, and when they did enjoy, you know, spells on the, the ball, it, it was quite an open game at times. And although I didn't see 5-1 coming, uh, you know, early on in the game, um, you know, it's important to stress that you know they were a, a, a you know quite an attacking side themselves. It was the the defensive side that that let them down, and I suppose you know it would be interesting to see if Aberdeen can sort of replicate that level of of dominance and uh, and and threat you know against some of the more rigid teams that they might face in the Premiership because you know it's obviously a a problem that Aberdeen have have, have had in breaking some some of their domestic opponents down. Um, particularly in the, the last couple of seasons. So, um, you know, if they can, 
you know replicate that sort of standard in in the KGR games, then you know they'll certainly be uh, you know a, a team and a force to be reckoned with this season. So do you think? Do we think then that BK Hacking just weren't as weren't as good as advertised, or do you think the fact that they were they were full of confidence and they, they came to Patodri perhaps like looking to you know get it Aberdeen while Aberdeen were looking to get it then that that meant that it was a much more open game. And then obviously once Aberdeen go two 0 in front, Hacking are chasing the game and that allows although they got that goal back, it allows um, Lewis Ferguson to stick home a wonder goal and then you know. Three one down, Hacking are chasing it even more, and they're they're open for Aberdeen to exploit that. Um, what's what's the thoughts on that? Honestly, I think I can answer that question better on Friday morning. Um, but we don't know if that was a, just a bad day at the office for Hacking, or if they're just the Aberdeen were that good. Let me put it that way. Um, certainly, two 0 up at half time puts the Dons firmly in control. And they were chasing. They were chasing that second half. But when it came to three one, you thought, "Oh, this, this might just tilt the balance back towards them." Second leg, two goal lead. But Aberdeen, impressively for me, didn't try to sit on that three one league. They thought, "No, we can go and kill this tie and, and go and and that two late goals has ended it for me." I have to say, I, I don't mm-hmm. see, I don't see a, an astonishing comeback to. Putting the history books being recorded on Thursday night. Who were the who were the top performers? Would you say thirty? I mean, the ones, the ones that stood out for me, as I've listed in our, our, our pre-match uh, briefing that I put together for this. Um, Andy Considine. I just, I just think to with all that happened over the summer and not getting the Scotland's Euro squad, that must have been a big blow. Um, you may be thinking, I don't know, like, will this will this be the season? Like that age finally catches up with Andy or whatever. I know I don't think I don't think I was thinking that too strongly because I know the sort of player he's been over the years for Aberdeen he's he's uh, fought back from any any sort of doubters or naysayers but he to get that first goal that just sort of underlined that sort of Andy Constantine never say die spirit clearly meant a lot to him and then Scott Brown as well. I mean he didn't have to do much with the ball on the ball but because Aberdeen were so in control but I mean just as a general, as an organizer, you noticed all the way through the game him sort of directing his teammates, geeing up his teammates, which is, I suppose, what he's been signed to do, and that's why he's been made the new team captain. I thought if J. Manuel Thomas, Christian Ramirez, and Ryan Hedges are going to be playing together up top all season, then that's going to be extremely exciting. With I think Jet was kind of the fulcrum with um, Ramirez and Hedges, sort of receiving the ball with Jet as a, the playmaker. I thought Funza Ojo was just a revelation, although. Um, if he's going to get in the box so much with the ball this season, I think he maybe needs to work on his finishing somewhat. And yeah, the young fullbacks as well. The other ones I had down, obviously, Calvin Ramsey as a starter. He was super attacking on the right-hand side, constantly getting up the line. I don't know if that would have been the case if he was playing in a Derek McInnes Aberdeen side or if he would have been played in a Derek McInnes Aberdeen side. And then Jack McKenzie obviously comes on at left-back and sets up Christian Ramirez for his first Don's goal, who? Were those the ones that stood out for you? Was there anyone else? It's the same guys for me. What's interesting about Ramsey especially is what I pondered was had Declan Gallagher been available, he would have started, you would think. And that would have probably meant McCrory perhaps going to right back or maybe even into midfield, which means Funso Ojo doesn't play. But as a manager, what you're looking for is the guys to come in and give you a problem in terms of 
can I leave them out the next game? And that's what every player who was picked and was in that starting eleven, and even the guys that come off the bench, to be fair, on Thursday night, that's what they've all done. Um, in terms of Andy Constantine, I mean, what, what can we say about the big guy? He's been the unsung hero for so long. He's finally earned that recognition. His performances have merited by breaking into the Scotland team. Yes, he will have been disappointed to miss out in the Euros, but what better way to bounce back and show how good a professional you are than by throwing yourself into the Conference League campaign with the Dons and getting a goal to kickstart a, a very impressive win. As for Scott Brown... Um, He's the Ron Seal of the team, isn't he? He's the he's the guy who does exactly what you're looking for, aggressive, a midfield enforcer, as well as the all-important defensive buffer who's breaking up play and driving his team on. I think that summed up what his performance was at Pitondry. I mean, I think you could make a case for, for any outfield player. I mean, I don't mean that with any disrespect to, to Joe Lewis because, you know, it's a measure of Aberdeen's performance that, that he had, you know, very little to do on the night. But... Um, I, I mean, I suppose it, it sums up just how impressive the Dons were that, you know, we haven't mentioned Lewis Ferguson, who, who scored twice, one of them being a, a wonder goal and, and the other being a, a penalty, which required a, a fair bit of nerve, I think, because, you know, it was at such a crucial point in the game and, uh, you know, the hacking goalkeeper was was doing his best to, to try and put him off in the, the build up to that one. Um, and, and also Ross McCrory um, coming in at centre half. I, I thought he was outstanding as well alongside Considine. The two of them were a really formidable um, back line uh, and, and really didn't give Hacken much encouragement uh, other than maybe a, a brief spell in the, the first 10 minutes or so when, when they did look dangerous. Um, and as, as Paul alluded to there, I think it is going to be very interesting to see what the, the next team selection will be, you know, bearing in mind that Declan Gallagher becomes available and uh, you know whether the temptation to to try and get him up and running in the side outweighs that of sticking with what you know on current evidence is you know a really successful formula. So no, it's good good options for uh, for Stephen Glass to have uh, without doubt. Also, we've touched on the hacking game on Thursday, which I mean it should be a formality. Aberdeen should be going to the third qualifying round to play either Austria Wien or Riedeblick of Iceland who I believe drew their first leg. That'll be an interesting one I'm sure especially the trip to Vienna um, one that the Dons fans would be desperate to make if the Covid situation allowed it. Um, obviously the big, the big one this week is the Dundee United Premiership opener um, on Sunday. Again I've suggested probably that this is a good gauge of Stephen Glass's new Aberdeen side as a game, given that last season, despite Dundee United being the promoted side back in the Premiership for the first year, um, the Dons just couldn't just couldn't beat them. Just just Dundee United had the sign over them. It was I think two draws in the league, both nil nil. Um, and one one nil loss, which didn't go down very well with Don's fans in a period where they really were struggling to score goals in the cup quarter final, their last remaining hope of silverware last season. Um, it was a three nil quarter final, beating it with Todry. Um, so I would suggest it would be a um, a great symbolic victory if Glasses Don's could, you know, exercise those demons by going out and putting on a sparkling display and putting a few past United. Agreed. A hundred percent. I wouldn't agree with uh, disagree with much of anything you've said there, Ryan. But what what what's interesting now is as the week unfolds and we're getting closer to the the first game on Thursday is how much does Sunday's league opener come into the manager's thoughts really for the team he picks 
on Thursday because um, he's got a few calls to make, especially with, with this United game on Sunday now looming large. Does he play Scott Brown or does he give him a half, put the tie to bed and, and take him off with the Pitodri match in mind? Um, I expect Declan Gallagher to play, if only to give him game time before the weekend. So that then means, does he partner McCrory or Considine or does one of them go out to fullback? Because that would then mean you're freeing up Johnny Hayes in a more advanced role or you're denying Calvin Ramsey or Jack Gurr game time if you put McCrory out right. The pleasing thing, I suppose, is the fact that Stephen Glass has got all those options. Um, but looking at the United game, certainly that cup exit was was a shocker. It was a, a sore one. And the mitigating circumstances that Glass was given at the time was that the tank was empty after the Celtic display a few days earlier. And I think that was the night he vowed that he knows how to fix that and he can be sure that his team will be fitter and stronger to play the style of football he wants. I guess Sunday is the chance, first chance to see if that's the case. How do Aberdeen react to a difficult away game in Sweden and then coming back to what will be a rip-roarer of a, a new firm derby to start the season? Dundee United, as we know, they're looking to kick on after safely cementing their place back as a Premiership club. And we've all been saying how we expect this to be a really competitive top flight this season. Sunday's going to give us an idea just how competitive this Premiership's going to be. The only thing, I think, remaining, um, me and you, Paul, will obviously be at that uh, game on Sunday, so hopefully it's a good one for my first one back with fans, I think. Um, the away kit, that's the only thing I want to touch on still with the Dons. Obviously released this morning, I think everyone had seen it about two months ago, probably. Um, at least the design, the sort of two-dimensional graphic that had been doing the rounds, as well as blurry photos in the last few days of Christian Ramirez and J. Manuel Thomas um, modelling it. Is, is it a nice one? I think in a previous episode, Paul, you, you suggested that don't really get moved up or down by the um, the red home kit because it's always red, but the away kit was where it's at and that's what the fans prefer. Do you like this away kit? Uh, 100%, yes. I think it's very nice. Um, I, I still, as part of me, wants that all-white Aberdeen away kit one year and I thought this could be the year they have the chance to do it now that Hamilton Aki's are out of the division. But uh, no, it's Scotland dark blue with a, a gold trim. But that'll do me very nicely. I think it's I think it's very smart. Um, and hopefully the numbers and the lettering on the back are just the same because they're nice and easy to see when you're sitting in the back of the stand. I'm not getting any younger. <laughs> than, I need the eyesight for the numbers and the names, That's all that please. Yes. <laughs> any any team with vertical stripes, hang your heads in shame. Um, anyway. Let's move on. Uh, we will next have to discuss our teams in the north. Andy will be the expert for that. So Ross County, Cali Thistle, reflections on their Premier Sports campaigns and looking ahead to their opening league fixtures at the weekend. Are you a Don supporting Loon or Quine? You've probably pictured in the Red Army book. Do you know any Aberdeen supporters? They're probably in the book too. You, your friends, your family, your tribe are in this book. This is a football book with a difference. It isn't really about the players, the games, the on-field achievements. It's about you, the supporter. It tells the story of the supporter's journey. It shows them in the glory years, the lean years, in song, in anger and in pubs. It shows the Red Army on the march, laughing and celebrating, home and away, young and old, for better or worse. Have a look through the book. Every few pages you exclaim, I ken that lad. I was there. I remember that. 
or Furry Boots is Yon. There has never been an Aberdeen book like this. There never will be again. As a Northern Goal listener, you can get an exclusive 20% discount on Red Army at dcthompsonshop.co.uk using the code ARMY20 at checkout. That's A-R-M-Y-2-0 at the checkout of dcthompsonshop.co.uk. Check the episode notes for details and terms. Okay, Andy, the Premier Sports Cup group stages are over. Uh, Ross County and Cali Thistle both exited at the at the group stage. Ross County, of course, as has been discussed previously, there were some mitigating circumstances. I mean, they forfeited their first two games. Um, County in the last week, we'll start with them. They beat Rora one 0 in Montrose, four uh, one to sort of to build up towards get some minutes under their belt, but also victories under their belt in the build up to their their meeting with St Johnston in the Premiership this weekend. Are we are we feeling positive for County, or do we need to kind of wait until after the St Johnston game to know how how they've been affected? I suppose. I suppose just on the basis that they're they're now up and running, um, and the fans have had some opportunity to see. You know how the the side might line up um, gives them a wee bit of uh, you know foundation to 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 now look forward to the league season. It's difficult to probably glean too much from from the two games, you know, with the the due respect to to Brona and Montrose. But uh, in saying that, you know, Montrose, I think by all accounts, had a a decent intent to to try and uh, get at County on Saturday and. For, for the Staggies to run out four one winners against a you know a well established League One side was a you know a good result and plenty positives to take from that as well with Blair Spittle particularly impressive two goals for him looking as if he may have just picked up from where he left off at the end of last season he became a, a really important player in the side which he'd maybe struggled a wee bit to do in previous seasons um, he obviously had the the loan spell with Partick Thistle at the beginning of last season and it was John Hughes that, that kind of gave him a, a route back into the the county side um, towards the end of the, the campaign. He, he was a, a really crucial player in their uh, ultimately successful push to, to stay in the league. So, um, you know, that will certainly come as encouragement to them. But I think uh, it's probably safe to say that you know the the side is not complete yet. Just one look at their their bench on on Saturday, uh, and the players that that came off the bench as substitutes. Um, you've got Connor Randall and Ollie Shaw as first team players, uh, which is you know good options to to be bringing off the bench. But other than that, you know the three subs are Ben Williamson, Ryan McLemon, and Matthew Wright. So I think that probably underlines how. Um, how great the need for for a bit more strength and depth is, um, and I, I think County will be looking to bring more bodies in. I think some of these young players will probably go out on on loan once the squad is uh, a bit kind of stronger in, in numbers. Um, obviously, the most recent addition was David Kankola, the Austrian midfielder who signed on Friday, having been on trial in January when John Hughes was still in charge. Um, I think his visa was still to be sorted out, even though they've got the the work permit sorted. So he might be one that uh, that could feature on Saturday. But now, uh, don't be surprised to see um, a good few more in the door at uh, at Dingwall. I would say. 
I must admit, I was. I have the sense of humour that left me quite amused at the the memes doing the rounds of David Cancola with his head replaced with a can of cola. I found that quite uh, <laughs> quite quite humorous. Um, obviously, we'll see we'll see how he gets on in the coming weeks and months. Um, in Inverness's case, obviously they're in the division below in the Championship. They closed out the Premier Sports campaign with a a 1-0 loss to Hearts, who've obviously now taken the step up to the top flight again. Um, but it, it sounded like Billy Dodds was a lot happier with the performance in Renes Bionic Tynecastle than he was in the loss against Cove Rangers and the, the I think the two two draw and then penalty loss to Starwin Albion. Would that be would that be a fair assessment? Obviously Inverness start with part time opponents against our broth at the weekend, a team that they'll if they're to get this fast start that always eludes them, they'll need to beat our broth. It's definitely a step in the right direction against their toughest test of the group. I mean they went into the the game at Tynecastle knowing it was a dead rubber. And I suppose the, the only saving grace on, on on that side of things was that it allowed them to measure themselves against a, a premiership opponent as their, their final game leading into the championship season. And, you know, it was it really was just a, an exercise for them to, to try and address, iron out some of the defensive issues that had plagued them throughout the, the group campaign. And for the bulk of the, the game, they, you know, I think they did that. Uh, first half in particular, you know, Hearts found it difficult to to break them down. Um, they, they they clearly had worked Inverness on uh, the, the organisation and the the structure of the of the side. Um, also posed a, a decent threat on the counter attack, and uh, to be able to to do that against a, a Hearts team that were you know winners of the the championship last season was uh, certainly a little bit more encouraging than what they'd shown against Cove Rangers in particular, um, Sterling Albion as well, when they were far too open and very easy for lower league teams to, to break them down. But uh, obviously they, they were eventually uh, you know, caught unstuck. It was a, a good goal by Jamie Walker to, to win the game. Um, I think the, the match did open up a little bit as the, the game went on just with the number of subs that were made and it did take a a really good performance from Mark Ridgers to to keep the scoreline down, but yeah, I mean, I, th- I think the the jury's maybe still out on on Inverness to an extent. You know, looking at the the group campaign that they've had um, in advance of it, they probably would have been looking at this as being their best chance they've had to to reach the last sixteen, which they haven't done since uh, since they were uh, relegated to the championship. And you know, when you look at the teams on the face of it that they were up against hearts aside you know with cove peterhead and sterling albion you know the nine points would have been a, a realistic target there and you know that would have been enough as a, a second place team on the assumption hearts came out on top so i think there will be an element of frustration there but that's certainly the the hearts game does give them a, a little bit more of a an impetus, I suppose, going into the the Arbroath game, which will be extremely tricky, as they've they've certainly found in in the last couple of seasons in the championship. It's really hard to gauge both clubs' prospects, uh, given the difficulties they've had in preseason. I mean, Ross County, first of all, of I mean, what can you say? Poor Malky's had a <laughs> had a nightmare with the the COVID outbreak, shutting down operations, basically for the better part of 
two weeks. I mean, they've come back and they've played a Highland League side and a League One side. It's it's f- far from ideal preparation for the new Premiership campaign for them. Um, and also, adding on top of that, is the fact he, he doesn't have probably three or four guys he's probably still looking for in his squad. So it's it's going to be hard to gauge um, how they're how they're looking, even at the first game this weekend against St Johnston. As for Inverness, you're, you're, you're right, Andy. I think Dodgy will be really disappointed with the, the campaign they've had in the Premier Sports Cup. They would have been looking to get through and get some optimism, some momentum going ahead of the season. And uh, you know what Dick Campbell's our brother like. It's it's a tough start for Cali Thistle. And as we know from last season, it was too many draws that cost him dear in the end. And that's something that they can ill afford this year. We have faith in Verness. Anyway, let's move on. We've still got Cove, Peterhead and Elgin to discuss. And then we'll have a few moments of chat on the Highland League. And then, yeah, that'll be us for this week. Okay, so the blockbuster news among P- Cove, Peterhead, and Elgin this week has well, it's it's dropped this morning. It's dropped minutes ago. Actually, it's Cove completing a double signing. One one of whom is Jevin Anderson, the former for Martin defender, son of Don's legend Russell Anderson. Um, but making bigger headlines, Shea Logan, the former Don's right back, only left the club at the end of the season, having spent a, a significant period at the end of the campaign on loan at Hearts. He has signed on a three-year deal. He's in his 30s, Shea, but he's signed a three-year deal at the Balmoral Stadium. Guys, we knew Shea Logan was based in the city. We knew Cove an ambitious team. That makes it expected. They've, you know, they've already shown their their um, their clout financially by you know, bagging Ian Vigers and Ross Draper after their departure from Ross County in the Premiership, getting them on deals in League One. But at the same time, Shea Logan, I mean, you'd imagine he could have got a club in the top flight, yeah? Possibly. Um, but for me, he was a signing that I expected to turn up at, at Cove. Um, as as, we, as you've touched on, his roots are firmly in Aberdeen. He's, he's married. He's set up his own business here. Um, what does surprise me is a three-year deal for a guy who turned 33 in January, but make no mistake, he's he's going to do well in League One and potentially the Championship if that's where Cove end up. Um, they will be on the front foot most games in their division, and I think that will suit Shea Logan. I expect we'll be seeing the old Logan goal-scoring somersault celebration at Balmoral Stadium before too long. Um and yes, I mean, Logan is going to get the headlines here, but Jevin Anderson, the other new arrival, that's the sort of guy that Cove should be looking to get on board. Young, talented prospect. He's been on the books of the Dons. He's been in the books down south. Um, he's played competitive football in a Highland League for Martin, and he's still young. He's only going to get better, and, and Cove's a good platform for him. I think it's two good acquisitions for Paul Hartley. In terms of... Cove's ambitions, obviously, they're, they're desperate to get to the championship, probably go full-time. I think that was pretty clear. I think they, they made that pretty clear when they stepped up in the SPFL that they had a, a five-year plan to get up to the second tier. But is there, with the signing of these these guys that are you know, clearly at a high level, like Logan and Vikers and Draper, they obviously signed Rory McAllister a wee while ago. He's in his 30s as well, a proven lower league goal scorer. But like, what's the... What do we see being the end, the end destination for Cove and Olness? Are they, are they actually maybe now thinking about being a, a top flight side? Are they 
you know, is it just they're going to, once they get the championship, like, where do they go from there? Because some of these guys are going to age out, surely. Potentially, but I think when you look at the Cove signings that have come in this summer, they're guys who are more than well-equipped to compete in a championship level, if not premiership, in the case of the, the three senior guys. Um, they're certainly high-profile arrivals. But, I mean, I, I look at Cove and I see an experienced team, a, a successful team, and a team that have not hit their ceiling anywhere close to it in terms of what could possibly be achieved there. I think, As you've said, the, the aim was a five-year plan to, to get to the championship. They're well on course to meet in that. I'll be surprised if they're not a championship club next season. I'll, I'll put my cards on the table and say that. I think they are the favourites for the League One title this season with the guys that they've, they've brought on board. So, yeah, I mean, can they go premiership? I don't know. I think that will be driven by the budget. Um, there's, I know it's guys who are putting in... Um, investment shall we say into the team to to get them to this point but they need to get a, a corporate and a, a fan base every saturday that can also meet that because it's it's not never uh how do i say this they don't have pockets that uh <laughs> go on forever that's not an endless yeah. supply of money so um it, it they will go hand in hand if the fans come out and the local businesses get behind cove in the same way as the, the men at the top have then Yes, it could be Premiership, but at the minute, I think Championship is the is where they're looking to be. I think on the the, the point on the length of contract that you touched on, thirty. Um, I suppose what Paul Hartley will be hoping for is, you know, that these guys will have a a huge influence off the field as well as as on it. Um, I mean, by no means do I, I think that uh, you know Draper, Vigers, or or Logan are you know finished uh, in terms of the. The contribution that they can make to Cove, you know, in the next couple of seasons. But you know, I think what they can offer is uh, guidance and and support for, you know, maybe some of the younger players that are on their way up in their careers and you know trying to to sort of advance through the the leagues. Um, maybe this experience is something that he feels is necessary to to try and you know bring the the whole group to to that desired level, which you know. Would, would be championship as as the first sort of point to, to try and uh, you know advance to so um, I think the you know the benefits can can maybe be felt throughout the the whole club and I think they'll they'll have three players that that you know were performing at, at Premiership level maybe in, in Logan's case a little bit less than than the other two albeit at uh, you know a, a higher level of of, of club in, in Aberdeen compared to Ross County uh, you know challenging in the the top half of the league but. Um, no, it's it's certainly a, a statement of intent and um, the, the sorts of signings that that certainly make you think that that Cove are, you know, probably the the favourites as as you say. I'm inclined to to agree with you on that one for the for the title this season. Cove begin their League One campaign against Falkirk this weekend, which will be an interesting one, given they're another side that will be gunning for the League One title. Meanwhile, Peter Head, they meet Aloha in the weekend. They closed out their Premier Sports campaign, finishing bottom of Group A after a 3-1 loss to League Two, Sterling Albion at fourth bank. To be fair, Sterling might be a League Two side, but I think Jim McAnally was pretty, before the game, pretty open about the fact he thought Sterling were a pretty strong team, contenders for League Two, and I think he was more... Uh, more worried about getting through the game without any injuries and getting minutes in his players' legs. So in that case, it's job done. What do we think about Peterhead going into the new campaign, 30? 
they're in decent shape for me. I mean, I, I saw their first game of the competition, uh, the 2-0 defeat to Hearts, and they certainly competed well against Robbie Nielsen's side, especially in the second half. Um, it's all the more impressive when you consider the fact that two key players for Jim McAnally and Jason Brown and Scott Brown were both missing. So it was a decent display. Um, I think the playoffs are possible for the Blue Toon this year, um, but Aloha, now managed by, by Barry Ferguson, they'll be having similar aspirations. They'll be looking to go back up to the championship at the first time of, of asking. So, yeah, this is a good a good early test and a good met yardstick for, for both teams in terms of how they're shaping up in the division. I think if uh, Jim McAnally had any complaints, Jordan Brown as well, it was the... What I read was that the, the first two goals were pretty pretty sloppy from set pieces. Um, Andy Elgin, they closed out their, their Premier Sports Cup campaign with a, a 3-2 win over East Fife. I think their first points in the competition, despite some decent performances. Uh, they've got a home clash with Strand Rar this weekend to start their League 2 campaign. Are we, are, are we thinking the same about Elgin, that they're in good shape for the playoffs. Are they, are they in good shape for the League 2 title, would you say, based on what we've seen in the Premier Sports Cup? Well, I think that result against East Fife to finish with certainly suggests that they're they're moving in the right direction ahead of the start of the league season. And I, I remember speaking to Gavin Price before um, a ball was kicked in the, the Premier Sports Cup. And Elgin, I don't want to say their situation was similar to Ross County, but they, you know, they, they had a, an outbreak of COVID at the club and maybe... Fortuitously for Elgin, that happened before the the Premier Sports Cup um, took place. So, you know, they they went into the Premier Sports Cup having not played friendlies. Um, Ross County, it was it was further down the line, and and that prevented them playing competitive games. And you know, from having spoken to Gavin in previous seasons, he's always kind of used the the group stage as as a means of preparing for the the league season. And you know, with that disruption in mind, that was never truer than than this time around. So I think he was, you know, prepared to to write off the the results uh, in the, the you know the opening couple of games, but to then finish with a you know a three two victory over a, a League One side is you know a really good sign of of the progress that they've made over the last couple of weeks. And um, I think you know building into that Stranraer game, that was a. A team that they fared really well against last season, actually, even though Stranraer were competing in uh, around the same area of the table and in and about the the playoff positions for uh, League Two promotion, and I think Elgin will will have that confidence uh, based on the, the squad that they've put together uh, that they can they can challenge again this season. Okay, so for all those teams, we will look forward then to the turn of league football this weekend. Uh, normal. Neural service has been resumed, um, which means a lot of busy weekends for us coming up. Um, busy weeknights as well, probably, um, with a lot of fixtures to cram in. Just, just finally, on the Highland League, um, just to make it clear to the listeners, uh, we have at the Press and Journal, we've we've just launched um, a new sort of weekly uh, subscribers only Highland League show um, called Highland League Weekly, which will cover highlights and features from the Highland League as well as all the, the main talking points from over the course of the week but one Highland League story I did want to touch on on Northern Goal this week was um, Fort William they obviously uh, got the news on I think Sunday night that they will be playing all their league games and their league cup games away from home this season because Clagan Park's unplayable and um, 
yesterday it was still unclear um, until the evening whether like how Fort William really felt about the situation given that um, it was a decision made by the Highland League Management Committee. I, mean, I think we, we discussed it yesterday, Paul, and we're pretty, pretty clear that the pitch is unplayable and it is in a, a bad state and it's a shame for Fort William that they're going to, in a season where relegation is very much on the cards for Highland League clubs, that Fort William are going to be at this disadvantage and also financial consequences as well to not be playing um, their games at home. However, Fort William have released a statement now. They spoke to our colleague Callum Law, their vice chairman, yesterday to say that I think they were very much, I wouldn't say on board with the Highland League decision, but they clearly understand it. And I think recognising that their their park is in a bad way, they um, are kind of like, you know, they're embracing this this new challenge, which was, I suppose, better, better than it could have been, less acrimonious. I I think this should be a source of great embarrassment for the people at Fort William. I mean, they've had their tr- not had their troubles to seek the last few years. Let's be honest, and um, the Esther's vandalism and what have you. But I I I find the whole we're having a GoFundMe now to help um, f- repair the pitch and get it playable, and also to pay for the travel expenses that are now going to be substantial for the club uh, that, that, it sticks in the craw a little bit for me I have to say I just this, this, this is the galling aspect of all of this is they knew that the pitch was in a state and it's only just come to light what in the last 72 hours that these games are not going to be getting played at Claggan Park now wh- why has it come to that that's, that's the bit that Fort William have not addressed when did they know there was a problem? When did they let the league know? Now, first of first of all, anyone who's seen Claggan Park can tell there was a problem. When did they let the league know? Well, my understanding from uh, having my chat with Callum Law yesterday was that it was only because a member of the public had brought that to the attention of the league. That's disgraceful. Let's be honest. Let's call it for what it is. Someone here has dropped a clanger and should be held accountable. And I mean, look at it. Look at the state of it. We've seen the pictures. How has that been allowed to happen without anyone raising a flag going, we need some help here, guys? Come on. I mean, Fort Williams' argument would be, I suppose, that their pitch has been... I, I accept what you're saying. I know we discussed this yesterday and we both agreed that it was kind of... There was, a, like Fraser Brown would have ended up if a member of the public hadn't got involved and raised the issue with the Highland League that Fraser Brown could have ended up feasibly travelling to Fort William to play on that surface, um, um, that grassless, uh, in many places, park uh, next weekend. But, I mean, Fort William's argument would be that they have until recently been a little bit beholden to the council in their area it's because they've, you know, they've kind of owned the park and they've been um, they've been unable to, I suppose, lock up the lock up access to the the surface um, where it's not been in use, which has allowed people to vandalise not only the park but you know also damage work like not work but like um, machinery like sprinkler system and the tractor that they use to to care for the pitch, which has made things difficult for them. And they're now in a position where they can lock up the pitch and hope that, you know, that the, the work they've done to put the better drainage in in recent months, which hasn't clearly, um, hasn't really paid off yet, but they will now be able to, you know, make the most of that and get the pitch back up to, 
to standard. Um, Andy, anything you'd like to add on this? Particularly, yeah. sad, sad story. I'll just to make it clear. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I do feel for the the, the club in, in some ways, but um, I mean, the vandalism that's gone on there in in the past has been well publicised, and I think if it had maybe been a bit clearer that that had potentially led to to the club not being able to fulfil home fixtures, that that should have been made. Um, public long before now I, I would agree with Paul that it should never have taken until after the, the season had actually got underway for uh, for that to to come to light so um, no I think the, the timing of it's really frustrating but yeah I mean I, I am to some extent you know heartened to see that they're they're up for the, the fight I know it's going to be very difficult for them to to go through the, the whole season particularly when they've recruited players from from out with the, the the local area, um, and and for the you know the, the core of local players that they've got, you know it, it's going to be a real test of of their commitment, uh, you know, to be able to to play a, a full Highland League season as it's going to be again. So, um, I, I think you know they're they're clearly going to be up against it. They've they've faced a number of challenges and of different forms over you know a long period of time now and with relegation a prospect now then you know this could be the, the toughest of the lot should be noted I don't think we've mentioned it that the the member clubs of the Highland League have also offered to pass on the travel costs they would have accrued travelling to Fort William to Fort William to kind of ease the burden on them a little bit this coming season yes as I mentioned um, for more Highland League chat um, please look up our weekly Highland League show Highland League Weekly um, which includes this week Brecon City v Turf United highlights as well as a feature on Forest Mechanics return to the Highland League and chat about all the all the results including Fraserburgh 3 for Martin Nil. Um, anyway I think that concludes this week's episode of Northern Goal thanks to Paul and Andy for joining me today cheers guys you're welcome thank you um, if you've enjoyed this episode and all the chat about our, our league teams getting underway you can like and subscribe in your favourite podcast app and if you've got any questions or comments you can email northerngoal at dctmedia.co.uk and finally enjoy whichever league game you're attending this weekend cheers hope you loved the episode and if you did we'd be grateful if you could leave us a review or rating on apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and don't forget to pick up your copies of the press and journal and evening express every day for the best football writing and analysis in the north